I'm Nikisha, and this is Talking Horror with Jamie. And Nikisha. Where we share our love for spooky things and talk horror through the lens of human behavior. Well, welcome, everyone. Welcome. Uh, welcome to my spooky uh, room, all of you YouTubers that are watching us. <laughs> it's a fireplace. You can't see because it's a little blurry, but that's that's my little pumpkin back there, too. Little pumpkin right I here. I love that. So. Welcome to the space. <laughs> and today, it's always just a doozy, but... This is a doozy. We're talking about basically a, a movie that's the worst escape room ever. The uh, <laughs> 2021 American coming of age supernatural horror film, The Black Phone. Hello? You don't have much time. The grabber hasn't been sleeping. He thinks this might be it, that he's going to figure it out. Who's going to figure it out? His brother upstairs. Are you Griffin? Who? Griffin's side. Probably. It's all a little hazy, but I imagine you know all our names. Every kid does. Ring, ring. Ooh. Yes. (laughs) Is there such thing as a spooky ring? Like, what would be a spooky ringtone? Just ring, ring. Oh, I was I was going for the classic ring ring. <laughs> are there any are there any movies that have like phone calls as like a core component? And so like the phone ringing or like the ringtone. I'm try- I feel like I've definitely seen movies where oh maybe one missed call. Yes, I, is it is a thought in my brain? I do want to say the sound of phones ringing. Just give me anxiety in general. Mm. Like I and it was it was alarms, alarms and phone ringing. Like that the the old timey like rotary phone, like that like very mm. visceral ring gives me anxiety. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if it's because like as a kid I was afraid like my teachers were gonna call my mom at night and like I would get in trouble. Um, at night, like they would like call my mom and I like after school, being like, you know, he was a he was a real class. Oh, Brian's clown. mom, are you in bed right now? Yeah. I've got something to report. I don't know. Like that would give me anxiety, <laughs> but like it's I don't know. But phone ringing, like, and people don't answering that, and people don't answer them, gives me a mm-hmm. tremendous amount of anxiety, and and stuff like that always makes me jump in movies. Like I've, a core component of Scream, phones ringing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, uh, Black Christmas, like we oh, watched. That's what I was thinking of. Yeah, mm-hmm. Black Christmas. Um, but anyone think, never changed their ringtones? Well, to I was just about to say, scary? as millennials, when was the last time you heard your ringtone? Because we keep our stuff on silent. We my phone's on like silent. It, it doesn't even vibrate. <laughs> it doesn't even vibrate in my pocket. If I'm not looking at my phone, uh, I miss the phone call. But I'm yeah. always looking at my phone, so I never miss a phone call. <laughs> I'm but I am like that nerd that like I I've absolutely like my phone still has them even though I don't have my phone on loud. Mm. I like chose I like purposefully downloaded ringtones and like have them on my phone. Like I don't even know if it's gonna play. 
This is Nintendo. this Super Mario <laughs> is my ringtone. Again, my phone is never on, so nobody will ever hear it. But I feel like that gives less anxiety, unless you played the game as a kid, and that gives you anxiety. In which case, well, yes, talk to a therapist. But <laughs> in that case, please keep your phones on silent. Mm-hmm. What a what a millennial nostalgic flashback because now I'm thinking of all the ringtones that I actually had to download off of the computer and try to put into my phone. Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. Crazy. 100%. Okay. <laughs> Just on our, I mean, we're giving our ages. So I know y'all look young, guys, now that you can see us, but Youthful there was a time way back when. Uh, fantastic. So we're talking about all things phones. Uh, it doesn't matter if you have an Apple or Android, you know, join the party. We're here. <laughs> but the black phone was directed by Scott Derrickson, and it was written by Derrickson and C. Robert Cargill. That's what I'm going to say. Is it Cargill? I'm going to say Cargill. It's spelled Cargill. I love <laughs> uh, it. And this movie stars Mason Thames. What a name. Superstar name. Madeline McGraw, Jeremy Davies, James Ranson, and a one Ethan Hawke as the grabber. Ooh. <laughs> I, did, I, I didn't like that at all. <laughs> Wait, say, say his name again. The grabber. I can't do it again. <laughs> like, oh, oh, God. Brian. With this guy and his mask. Oh. Okay, if you're just listening, Brian just pulled out a mask. <laughs> so, so oh, unpleasant. Very unpleasant. So now you have to wear that for the rest, the rest of the episode. Yeah, it's hard to breathe, but I'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, can you please tell us what this mask symbolizes? What is this? Sure. So I'm, so I'm like super into masks and mask making and stuff like that. I learned it in mm. acting school and all of that. This is, um, this is a doctor mask from Bologna, Italy. Um, this represents, oh. like in Commedia dell'arte, this represents kind of like the doctor father type figure. Um, it has the straw. If you're look, if you're watching, um, you can see. But if you're listening, it has a. It, it's only a half mask, so it's just the forehead essentially above the eyes, and then it, it comes down into like a peninsula around the nose. And mm-hmm. you know the strong brow and the big nose um, are, are you know represent kind of what that character oh. is like symbolically and archetypically. Yes. I love it. Deep. I mean, it's super, super creepy. Just get some, you know, makeup under there. You'll be good to yeah. for Halloween this I'll time. be like, you want to see these black balloons? You should totally <laughs> dress up as the grabber for this Halloween. Uh, oh. I do not want to dress up as the grabber for Halloween. <laughs> but I, I'm but, just saying it would look right. <laughs> but also, yeah, I mean, that would be an awesome costume. With the, <laughs> but from the poster, like with the top hat and like the, the painted on big mouth. Yes. And, yeah, totally. Absolutely. So obviously Hever, well, Hever, Hever, spoilers, <laughs> obviously <laughs> heavy spoilers for the Black Phone and Jamie. Give us those trigger warnings because I know there are some. Yes, indeed. Um, I mean, this movie is about child abduction. So just starting off mm-hmm. with that, uh, that is, that's what this movie is about. Um, there's also child murder in this movie. We don't necessarily see the murders take place, but we do sometimes see the aftermath of these murders in the form of jump scares. So also, if you don't like jump scares, maybe not for you. Um, and uh, I, I think that's, I think that's oh, it. Oh, and um, murders, parent abuse. 
Yes. Oh my gosh. Thank yeah. you. I think I just, I think I, my brain just like intentionally blocks out unpleasant, traumatic things. Yeah. Uh, I don't know how we got here, but um, yes, <laughs> indeed. There, <laughs> there is um, child abuse, there's alcohol abuse. Um, so if any of these things are unpleasant to you, make you uncomfortable, steer clear, maybe, maybe listen to the suggestions instead. Um, so, uh, so yeah. Yeah. Hopefully the suggestions will be easier on the eyes. Mm, Actually, both of mine are not as I look at them. (laughs) (laughs) Mine are neither. Oops. Great. (laughs) <laughs> Mine's actually worse, but you yep. know, great. Yep, same. Your <laughs> yeah. Are you really into child abduction movies? Have I got another movie for you? Oh, uh, oops. Trying to escape death, you know? This yeah. What, what we're doing. Hashtag doing our best. Uh, so before we start into everything that is the black phone, I was going to say the black mirror, but also where's that season? Because come on. Oh, Netflix, I know. Let's get in with that. <laughs> Uh, Brian has some words for us. Producer always, Brian. always have some words. Um, so essentially, uh, we need you to follow us. We would love for you to follow mm-hmm. us. You can find us, of course, on YouTube. Hi, everyone, if you're watching. Hi. Um, wherever you get podcasts, <laughs> um, <laughs> you can find us so there. All of our teeny, all of our teeny fingers. fingers. You can see our well. teeny fingers. I actually have <laughs> sausage fingers. My fingers are very big. <laughs> If if you're making if you're making breakfast with me, be very careful. I don't want you to cut my oh. fingers off. Okay. Um, uh, but uh, yeah, so find us also on social media at Talk Horror Pod. Um, we are on TikTok. We're doing some super fun stuff on TikTok. We're also on Instagram. Uh, we're doing some. I'm, I'm trying to build up our Instagram a little bit, and then you can find us on Twitter um, uh, and, and all of that. And 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 make sure you subscribe to us everywhere. And uh, you know, because we're not just talking about these movies that you hear us talking about here, we're watching a ton of movies and we're doing some of those reviews and stuff specifically on uh, TikTok. Um, like Jamie and I are watching through the Nightmare on Elm Street series. I'm watching through the Friday the 13th series. I'm about to start the third one. Um, so uh, um, yeah, so you can find all that stuff on there. Like Jamie, would you just, you just watched uh, uh, Unfriended, The Dark Web? Oh yeah, mm-hmm. tell me about it. I sure did. Um, yeah, it was actually it was actually recommended to me by a new friend that I met on Bumble BFF <laughs> that shares an interest in horror, and I was like, I want to watch a found footage esque horror. That is what I'm in the mood for. Mm-hmm. And she was like, bop bop bop, like came in with the suggestions, hot. Um, <laughs> so shout out to Zena if you're if you're listening to this. This Yay! one's for you. Um, and yeah, I I made the my is that's not my TikTok debut on our on our TikTok no, account, but I, I'm very bad at making TikToks, so I'm I'm working on it. But I made one with our with the four S's. So if you're curious about what my uh skulls, sh- scares, shakes, and my suggestions are. Um, you know, hopefully Brian will upload that soon on TikTok and you can check it out. Well, you did an awesome TikTok about uh Billy versus Stu. Oh, oh yeah, I forgot yes. that was a long time ago. Yeah, yeah. We got we got to reboot that. Which one. I made <laughs> I don't know if we'll do that for this one, but I did make a Billy versus Stu uh uh sound effect when we when we, ever we get to a se- yes. a segment like that. Mm. I can't wait to hear it. Also, Jamie, I just want to say kudos to you for using Bumble for the actual BFF moment. 
Yeah. Because I just didn't think people did that. I think that's awesome that you found and, – and what a smart idea to find other like-minded horror females through through Bumble and yeah, not through we're the, here. the trash we want to <laughs> men that I've experienced on, on the Bumble. <laughs> <laughs> well, fun fact, they did open Bumble BFF to all genders connect with each other. And then they, after maybe a week, uh, promptly changed that yeah. because it didn't work out the way that they wanted it to. Of course it didn't. I don't know who this surprises, but um, no one. Not no one. It, it surprises no one. Mm-hmm. Nikisha, do you have a favorite app? Like, do you have a preference of app? Like, you like the way that it's structured for dating and things like mm-hmm. that? Okay. So I only have tried Hinge and Bumble, and I will say that I like Hinge for how detailed you have to be to make a profile. Okay. Mm-hmm. Because Bumble, you can just put your picture and your name, and then that's it. And how I don't know who you are, sir. I just by your picture, you could be lying. Okay. Uh, and so I, but I go back and forth because Hinge is ah, oh, let's get married right now. And Bumble, <laughs> at least in my experience, the, mm-hmm. the, the people that the profiles that I have come across are people who are like have a ring in their pocket, ready Oof. to just hop on it. And I'm not there. Let's oh, have wow. a cup of coffee, please. And Bumble is a little bit more casual, but not as casual as Tinder. So I think mm. Bumble is the the good in between. Sure. For me, okay. is Bumble yeah. still um, uh, the we, female reaching out? Yeah, yes. yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool. And then, yeah. So the guys can match with whoever, but the female has to match and then start the conversation in order for you to continue on in the in the conversation. But I mean, I'll try to use. I'm going to try to use it for for other horror BFF friends. Yeah, I think that's, a good that's, idea. that's a cute idea. Yes. Mm-hmm. Also, um, on the watching movies train and things that we have seen, I just heard that you guys finally finished. <laughs> Fifty Shades of Grey, the first one. <laughs> yes, indeed, indeed, we did. How long did it take you to to finish that? I gotta say, I gotta say my piece. Please, I want to <laughs> hear all of it. I've watched a lot of movies, like a lot of movies. You know, you know me. Like I've watched movie movies was a central theme of our wedding speeches. Yes. Like they talked about Brian. Brian loves movies more than Brian loves Jamie. Just putting it out there. <laughs> Anyway, no comment on that, but I do love movies and there were a ton. I've seen so many. I'm prefacing this because um, Fifty Shades of Grey may be one of the worst movies I've ever seen. And here's why. Mm -hmm. Are there worse made movies? Absolutely. But for what this, how much this movie probably cost, like it is, it is. And what it's supposed to be, like, sexually and all of that, it is not sexy. There is no chemistry. The lines are dumb, and he is just the most piece of wood character I've ever <laughs> seen on screen. She's she's a blank slate, and, like, she's trying. Dakota Johnson is trying, but it's still just, like, a very, like, it's a bad, it's a, it's a bad character. Like, all of this. Yes. It's just, and then it ends the way it ends, which I know is like setting up the next one. But like, like you, you can't. The, the thing is, this I understand that this movie is just all about like these sex scenes and this like feeling dominated and like whatever the case may be. However, mm-hmm. these characters have no growth. These the, no. Not, the, these characters don't change from point A to point B. It's a 
It's a terrible movie where everyone's not on the same page. There's no chemistry. It's it's truly bad. I find no guilty pleasure in a movie like this. And like, I know someone would probably say like, "Well, this was made for women," and this it's like, no, like I am I I I I am speaking as a person who watches movies and cries at all of them and loves them and like, obviously yeah. I can't relate to some over another in the diff- same way that maybe you or Jamie can relate to them. I I totally understand that. I love hearing the other side of things, but like. Uh-uh to this one. Uh-uh to this one. Thank you. No. And that has been that has been parlor talk. Oh boy. I, I mean, but as as a female who has watched this, and I also do not speak for all of womankind either, but <laughs> I will agree with everything that you said. And the second one is not any better. But they did say let's lessen the lines and put more sex because that's probably the only thing that's bringing people back. Oh. <laughs> not the actual dialogue and relationship between these two people. No, but you finished finished yeah. the second one. Yeah, I finished it. I think we talked about it before because I said the ending was they didn't know where to go and so that you they introduced oh we character. did talk mm-hmm. about that we did talk yes. yeah yeah mm-hmm. sorry mm-hmm. i black out any 50 shades of gray conversation <laughs> <laughs> but now i just want to know what happens in in the third one yeah just sure i mean it's free you're not paying for them exactly yeah i'll wait through the ads just to see what happens <laughs> while i watch tiktok and this at the same time and still miss what's happening yep. you know? Wait, yep. like we all do when we were watching it i was like on my phone for a second and jamie's like no you have to watch this scene i was like oh okay and then the movie ended i was like wait 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 that was the last scene in the movie <laughs> right i thought we had another hour of their schlock right <laughs> She said goodbye, Mr. Gray, and that elevator closed, and those credits came up, and jaw dropped. You're like, where is the rest of the movie? Like, it's not even a cliffhanger. It just like seems no. like this awkward. Like, did you did you print the book and by accident? Like this this, this, is, this was this unintentional. <laughs> yeah. Oh, anyway, um, yeah. Yes. Because we could go on a full tangent about that, but we're here to talk about the black phone. Uh, I want to assume that this is all of our first time watching this. Okay, beautiful. Mm-hmm. So let's do yeah. a plot summary. What's the plot? <laughs> I will volunteer a tribute because I know this is going to be very terrible, what I'm about to say. <laughs> but we're going to try. All right. Try. I'm going to hook you up. With okay. two minutes, so for those of you who haven't listened to this podcast before, welcome. Um, we give one of us two minutes to do the entire plot of the movie we're talking about. Today it is the black phone. I'm only explaining it because it buys me time to set it to two minutes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> ready, Nikisha? Uh, no, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, go. <laughs> So we open up in the late 1970s, you know, a simpler time where there's no internet, no phones, or at least cell phones, and kids just beat the shit out of each other because there's no adults around at all. And so we open up with this brother and sister, and we figure out that there's somebody who's kidnapping kids. Now, this brother and sister, they're special because the sister has a special power. She's been touched and her dreams tend to come to reality. And so she kind of is uh, giving clues to the detectives of who is grabbing these kids. And so then in the midst of that, her brother, Finn, Finney, gets kidnapped. So he's in this room 
there's a phone, but it's disconnected, so it doesn't work. He's trying to escape, and then the phone rings, and he picks it up, and eventually it's all of the other kids that have been kidnapped and killed. They are communicating with him through this black phone, trying to tell him ways to get out of this room. And so he uses all these different ways, and they don't work. Uh, all the while, the police are still looking for things, and he's in a basement, and the grabber and his lives with his brother, which is also random. And the brother is trying to figure out who's grabbing these kids. And so the brother eventually finds the, the boy in the basement. It's like, oh shit, my brother is not here though. I'm going to try to save you. And then here comes the grabber and kills his brother. And now the grabber's mad and he wants to kill uh, Finney. And so to tie in everything that Finney has, I want to call him Phineas, which is why I'm like stopping myself. His name is Finney. Uh, he, uses all of the tools that couldn't get him out separately, but all together work together for him to be able to kill the grabber and escape. And eventually the, his sister tells the police that she knows where all the bodies are and the police find them. And then the Finn comes out on top and everybody's happy. And that's the end. <laughs> that was good. That was really cool. good. <laughs> and that's the plot. <laughs> I was hoping I remembered most of the tidbits of of that, but that is my interpretation of the black phone. So let's get into it with our first segment of likes and gripes. And now our likes and gripes. So Jamie, do you want to start off? Tell us what your likes and gripes of this muve were. Um, it was fine. <laughs> That's my overarching, Yep. like what I like, it was fine. It was okay. This wasn't, this wasn't my favorite. I feel, I feel a little misled. I feel like people were really t- like hyping. This is like, I this agree. is the best. I've heard that now about like four different movies that have come out this year that I don't know if that's necessarily accurate, but like, this is the best horror movie of 2022. Mm-hmm. I don't think that this is the best horror movie of 2022. I, I disagree. Um, I, I think that there was a lot of things that just like didn't make sense to me that weren't really ever clarified. Mm. I will say that I've never read the short story by Joe Hill. Um, so I don't know, you know, that piece and like how they expanded it to make a feature length film. I liked, I liked the concept of like, you know, these past victims, who are calling this main character to try to like give him like different pieces of information that ultimately he uses to like escape. Mm -hmm. I liked that concept, but I think a lot of other things were just like super weak, not clear. Um, Like I didn't fully understand the deal with his sister and like her, her psychic powers um or like I also what was totally unnecessary to me which I think is why I completely forgot that it happened was (laughs) like the fact that their father was abusive didn't Mm. need like for me it wasn't important at all this didn't need to be here I have no idea what this had to do with anything in the story I don't think that it impacted like the character's development in any way and this is one of those things that's like a general gripe for me of like including gr- very <laughs> general gripe. gripe. <laughs> Another one. Oh god. Um, <laughs> Sorry, please continue. 
no, I'm now I'm just like rewinding in my brain. Um, I, I don't like it when, when there are these like, you know, really traumatic elements included in media Mm-hmm. that like what's the point of exposing the the audience to this like what what are you trying to do and this felt totally unnecessary and just like you know adding violent imagery just for the sake of violent imagery and i will say that like you know this is by a director whose other films have really have a lasting impact on me mm-hmm. um the exorcism of emily rose truly Stellar. Like, I was shooketh when I saw that. I that was when I was still in my like I can't handle horror movies phase, and I I was like just I like couldn't function. I was yeah. like truly terrified. Now rewatching it doesn't scare me as much anymore, but there's still that like initial fear or sinister, like could, was wildly uncomfortable the entire watching. Mm-hmm. But this like just didn't. I don't know. I was I was a bit disappointed given that I I like this director's other films and like this just for me didn't really stick the landing. My last like is I really liked all of the masks um, that the grabber wore, yes. but my last gripe, I just, I'm sorry, Brian, your masks scare me. I know I bought you one, but they all freak me out. Um, <laughs> I don't like casually wear them. I only wear them when we're talking about the black phone. Yes. <laughs> um, but I, I don't understand a gripe is that like they didn't really explain why he was wearing them or like at the end when they when it's removed off his mm-hmm. face and he's just like oh my real face and like freaks out and then he gets himself killed. Um I didn't understand that. And maybe this movie I as I've said before some highbrow heart goes totally over my head. Maybe I'm too much of a dum dum to get this one, <laughs> no. and that's okay, but um that it, it does contribute to my enjoyment of this film. Yeah. Yeah, I'll I'll hop on that because I have the the same feelings about this. When I first started watching it, uh it felt a little chaotic to me and what was chaotic were the all the cut shots that were happening especially at the beginning. We're just going from frame to frame of different things, different areas, different environments and it seemed a little disjointed for me. And I was wondering what was going to be the, the central story because we had all of these other little things happening. And it was a slow start, but I think once you get halfway in, maybe, you know, an hour in is when I got more into it, when he was trying to figure out how to escape in the rooms. I thought those that was more exciting. And I thought that there were some good human behavior things, like when the girl had the dream about the house and she went to make sure that she saw the same house. And then I was thinking out loud in my world, screaming out loud, please call the police first. Don't try to go in yourself. And, and then she called the police. Great. 10 out of 10 for <laughs> the sister making a good choice. Good Thank decision for making for sure. Good decision making. And I thought that uh, Finney was smart in the things that he was doing, except when the grabber was asleep in in his chair, I would have probably tried to kill the grabber in his sleep as opposed to just tried to escape quietly. You know, he was in, in a kitchen. I'm sure there was a knife somewhere, but that's just me. I still would not have been able to think of all the other stuff that uh, Finney did to get out of this space. So I'll give him all that. And I do like how Jamie said the, the concept of all of the little things that 
he tried to do was a part of the bigger plan that any had to use all of it at once to escape. I enjoyed that. I also enjoy kind of the, the suspending of our disbelief about the phone. Cause you never really ask about the phone too much Yeah, and where did it come from and why does it work like that? Why does Finney hear all of the, the people through this phone? You just go with it. And I, and I like when you don't feel like things need to be explained to that level, you can just be okay with that. Uh, and I think, yeah, that was, the payoff is nice, but it's a very, very slow start. And so for me, it was also just, okay. And I also was just mad that all those kids were beating up each other. And where the fuck are all the adults? What was, what was happening? Those kids were It's like, the 70s, baby. Goodness. I will say, though, my favorite scene was when the sister was pulling out all of her religious stuff, the rosary and the Bible and the and the the crucifix. And then she was like, Jesus, what the fuck? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> was happening. I thought that was hilarious. Uh, but yeah. What about you, Brian? Um, I agree with both of you. I think this movie is totally fine. Um, I think that it was definitely overhyped for me, uh, especially on TikTok. I feel like a lot of people that I follow, like, ate this movie up and I don't know whether it's like performative, like I loved it, like more, more views and stuff like that. Mm. Um, I, I don't, I don't think so. Um, but I definitely, had, unfortunately that made this movie have a high expectations for me. Um, but, um, here's some, I, I did like a lot about this movie. I liked the acting. I thought the, that Ethan Hawke was spectacular. I thought the kids were wonderful. Um, I thought a lot of the adults in general were very, I just thought everybody was on the same page in terms of tone and like brought a lot to this piece. And I really appreciated that. Um, I, 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 I actually really liked the first half of this movie. I thought that those little vignettes and kind of like setting the scene and those like fade to black anytime a kid would go near the van. I liked all of that, but it did take me a bit to realize that all of those, those, um, uh, all of those moments in the cut scenes at the beginning and the middle throughout the movie were her dreams and those things were what she was actually seeing it took me too long to figure that out um i don't think that was maybe clear enough in the narrative like the, the visual narrative storytelling um i did enjoy like that grainy 70s feel to it i think this movie worked better that it was in the late 70s um uh, i thought that the mask work was really good i thought that like the concept as you said nikisha was really good i liked all of those things mm -hmm. things i did not like about this movie um are in line with both of what you said i did not like the fact that they they set up so much and they reference so many things so much like her um like her powers. I don't need an explanation for her powers. That was actually one thing that I didn't mind. We didn't get an explanation for it is what it is. My biggest issue was with the grabber because the, you have this incredible actor, Ethan Hawke playing the grabber. I don't care that he's not the main character, although trailers and things would make you think that he had a much bigger role in this yeah. movie. So I think mm -hmm. that expectation was poorly spent. Um, um, but they bring up a lot of things where like, I spent a lot of time in this basement. He never got the phone to work or maybe he did and it stopped working. They allude to a lot of this trauma 
from the 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 grabber and then they say like well maybe finney's the they on the phone to to finney the the dead kids are like well you know you, you're not playing the game like you know that's why you're surviving you're not playing the game or or they would say something like mm-hmm. you know he'll you know he, this time he's gonna figure it out this time he's gonna figure it out and i'm just like if you're going to tease all of those things, there there should be two twists at the end. Not the first quote twist is that all of these pieces that they've been giving him, these clues, work and help him out. Cool, that's fine. But that's not enough if you're teasing everything else in this movie. Um, right. I need a little bit more of like a reveal or just some backstory in him, not to make him empathetic at all, but to just like really tie everything together. Um, I just kind of thought this movie just like floated it plateaued at a point it built and built and then it just like plateaued and there there were no layers or it was it wasn't a dynamic film at all it was just like fine i think the movie uh, my major gripe with this movie is this movie presents itself as something like really high bar really substance filled and i actually don't think it's it's it has a lot going for it um but i still enjoyed it I think that if I went and if 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 Jamie and I had watched this movie, like oh, like some people said they liked it, like this is on Hulu, like we'll watch. I would have been like, whoa, what a good find. But because the expectations were set in such a way, I'm just like, this was totally fine. Oh yeah, my my biggest like is the line. I I may have written it down wrong, but you fat fucking fart knockers. Great line. <laughs> fart knockers. I mean. The 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 language and the colloquialisms and things of the seventies, like what a time. What a time to be alive. What a time the, to be I, alive. The kids were Go really ahead. good in this movie. I know I mentioned the acting, but I didn't bring up the the kids from the the kid who played like Robin and stuff to the sister and Finney, excellent. Yeah. I I, I liked it. I, I wanna say too that I also liked that it was in the 70s and how it was filmed. I don't know what kind of camera lens that that is that they filmed it in, but it definitely did add a little bit of the tension to the story. And it kind of made you feel like the movies back in the 70s, like watching a Halloween or, you know, Friday 13th or whatever. Um, but yeah, any other likes and, and gripes about this particular movie? I think we're all like a collective. This was okay. Yeah. Moment. You know, I, I don't know. I wanted, if I'm going to see a movie with... I just wanted more Ethan Hawke and not in like a, the movies about him. I, I got so much from him in his like very small scenes where he's just standing at the door and he's the kid is keeping up with him acting wise and nothing feels forced or anything like that. Um, mm-hmm. I just needed more layers from the character, not from Ethan Hawke. I needed it from the script or the way it was edited because like it just yeah. wasn't enough like him living – and again, I like movies where you don't really know a lot about the they they like they drop these like hints and stuff about the murderer, but the movie is dynamic enough that I don't really care like like uh, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre is a perfect example. Mm-hmm. The first the, the original one. We kind of know that they're they're cannibals. We kind of know that they're in the middle of nowhere and that they capture her. Like I don't know why he's wearing like a woman's face or makeup on like the leather face. I don't know why he's yeah. the one cooking. Like there's a lot of trauma or whatnot going there with, you know, there, there's a lot of things in that movie about those quote villains and bad guys in the first one that they never explain. But the movie is interesting and dynamic enough that like, 
I'm it's scary enough to be honest, but I'm not like mm-hmm. questioning like I need more about Leatherface. Like I haven't seen a lot of the other ones. Maybe they explain some more. Like, but in that original one, I don't need that. In this one, because of what this movie is and looks like and feels like and what they 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 voluntarily offer up information. Because nothing is explained at the end of this movie, and they left all these hints. I know I'm repeating this over and over again, but it really, it really bothered me. I, I just felt like there's a whole nother layer of this movie that like got edited out or whatever. Because like this was written by Joe Hill, Stephen King's son. Like I truly think that like knowing his dad's work enough, like there's another level to this that like is just not on film, and the movie feels the narrative storytelling in this movie feels com- very incomplete. Yeah. No, I get that. Speaking of layers, Brian, do you want to talk about your masking work? How'd you feel about the mask in the movie? Oh, I, so mask work is very interesting. I, I, um, you know, there are different ways to like embody it. Like sometimes like prepare, you like put the mask on and you look in the mirror and you like, let it affect your physical appearance. You know, you have to do different. The acting is different because like right now, if you're watching me, like I don't have use of my eyebrows and my forehead, my eyebrows and forehead right now are all just this one static look, but the way that my mm-hmm. eyes are and the way that my mouth and jaw can move affects the way that my entire face looks because, because this whole part of me for my nose, and into my eyebrows is just like is static essentially um so you there's there's definite different techniques um you know you can do it from the outside in um some people like to like stare at their mask like like face to face and just like Mm -hmm. try to absorb it if you've if you've built your own mask then like there's a different kind of um you know layer to that some masks like when he was wearing the full face mask yeah. It's all about the vocal choices and the eyes because he had that top piece and he would clearly be like clipping new like mouth pieces bottom into the pieces, bottom. Yeah. And like mm-hmm. the choice of putting that in of which one to put in to talk to the boy and stuff like that is a whole nother piece. You know, we didn't learn a lot about him, but maybe maybe the mask is his way of, you know, um, hiding his trauma maybe the mask is his way that he can connect to people like he feels like there's something in between so he can be it's an alter ego maybe he's actually a very sweet man um you know to the world but he puts the mask on and like this is his true inner self you know what i mean like Mm, like how does he interact with his brother does his brother um does his brother like see this person? You know what I mean? Like how did the brother not does go knows what's going on downstairs? Like, cause he's always coked up or whatever, but like, you know, there's, there was a lot of that dynamic there. And I feel like the mask had a lot to do with that. You know, he doesn't sleep like, you know, like, like, you know, why does he don these masks or why does he choose these specific masks? He mentioned mm-hmm. that he's a magician, whether that's real or not, or just, you know, like, so there's a there could be a ton of symbolism in this and why he wears a mask and why is this and why he's a magician but it all just felt very surface level it seemed like the actors were doing more work than the script like it seemed like they had a lot of these behind the scenes conversations like you know mm-hmm. d- um um the director would be like you know what like what's the name scott derrickson yeah. Like behind the scenes would just be like, you know, you know, what's the trauma? Like maybe Ethan Hawke built the full backstory. But honestly, because the acting was so interesting and layered and the script didn't allow for that to come out, I, I it left me wanting more. But I think the mask work was pr- was pretty good in general. But I don't think that we got enough 
story uh, to to kind of pull the, the some of the mask stuff out of it, if that makes sense. No, it absolutely does. And, you know, there are so many classes on mask work just for the things that Brian has said. I've never taken one of those classes, but Brian has. And and if you're watching on YouTube, you can see that what he's talking about. Uh, so subscribe to our YouTube so you can actually see what he's saying. Uh, but it, it does take a special actor to not use your eyebrows, not only have the use of your eyes or only have the use of your mouth or only have the use of your head motions when you do have, you know, the full mask on. But even you talking about this makes me think, you know, Ethan Hawke is a, it's Ethan Hawke is a, a pretty big name of an actor. Maybe he signed on for this movie because maybe there will be a backstory for uh, the grabber. Oh, interesting. Sure. Like Pearl? I don't know. Yes, like Pearl. Pearl and the Grabber. Oh. <laughs> Sounds oh, like a band. <laughs> that's what y'all should be for Halloween. Pearl and the Grabber. I'm just saying. Couple costumes. That's, that's a lot of hours of, of old person makeup. I don't know if I have it in me to, to go through that. <laughs> you got it. I believe in you. And like, I've seen Ethan Hawke on stage a couple of times. Just like, he. I mean, he's incredible. Like the mm-hmm. energy he brings into a room and I'm, I'm like, forget about his movies that I love. I actually very much enjoy him as an actor. Um, mm-hmm. And like, he's just, he's, he's magnetic. There's something very much about him. That's just like the energy that he exudes in that those theaters is incredible. Um, and then like even stuff like boyhood or, um, you know, uh, 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 dead poet society and stuff like mm-hmm. that. Like, like at every age, he's just a, he brings something special to the table. All the, the sunset movies, like before sunset, after sun, like before sunrise, like, okay. So those of you who are listening to us, nothing has happened. Don't worry. For those of you watching us on YouTube, um, my, uh, zoom video gave out. So we are just recording. Um, we are just recording, uh, the audio now. So you can't see us, but you can listen to us. You've already seen my mask. That's totally cool. That's totally fine. So, uh, let's, uh, Let's keep going. Uh, maybe maybe we just go straight into mm, brains. Yeah, let's do it. Mm. <laughs> Indeed. Mm, brains. Much, 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 much. Brains. Beautiful. <laughs> much, much, much. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> uh, okay, so Jamie, correct me if I'm wrong, but you have had your time in social work. Yes. To an yes, in, indeed. I've had some time. Grand. So I just have a question <laughs> for the whole scenes that you blocked out of your brain, but just mm-hmm. about the alcoholic abuse of the father. And when I was watching that scene, I thought to myself, could those kids have called protective services for themselves? How would that, what would that process look like? Because coming from a kid and then having to go through the believability of it all, unfortunately, you know, mm-hmm. please tell me uh, about that process. And and could they have had a case if they called? Yeah. Um, and, you know, every – I mean, every – so Child Protective Services is run by, I believe, each state. Each state mm. has their own, like – laws and rules. And I say that I think I know this because, uh, I'm, I'm licensed to practice social work in three States. And each time I believe 
I've had to take some kind of like child abuse training Mm -hmm. and it's a requirement for the license in that state. And the reason why I've had to do it so many different times is because each state has their own different laws and rules. Yeah. But it means all the same. They're all the same rules. So like, (laughs) so silly. (laughs) Um, anywho, um, that being said, uh, like not only social workers, but all kinds of professionals who work with or around children are often what is known as a mandated reporter. So these trainings that folks have to do are called like mandated reporter trainings. Um, and the idea is that like, again, if you are working closely or with children, if you suspect that there is child abuse taking place, any reasonable cause to believe that there's child abuse taking place, then it is your duty as a mandated reporter to make a call to the child protective services agency that you would report to in your state. Mm. Um, and I don't know like timing years wise when a lot of these laws in each state went into effect and how long these things have existed. And so like, yeah, they don't, I don't, I mean, they probably do teach you the history of it in the beginning of these trainings, but Mm. I do not remember what I do remember instead of the law, that part of the law. I remember what the laws actually mean in terms of what my duty is. So yes, I'm yes. sorry if I don't know when these laws went into effect. Yeah. Um, I mean, in terms of like contacting CPS, I, I feel like more often than not, and, and maybe this is just based on my own experience and like anecdotes that I know of, that like kids themselves aren't calling CPS, but like they're reporting to adults around them who mm. are then calling on behalf. So yeah. that could look like going to school, telling a school counselor. It is that school counselor's responsibility mm-hmm. to call Child Protective Services and file a report on behalf of that child. Um, I mean, and also any adult can file a report um, yeah. that you don't have to be a mandated reporter. They even have most, I think, I mean, mo- the states that I'm licensed in have like anonymous hotlines you can call oh. them anonymously and yeah. say like, hey, I don't know if this is child abuse or not, but XYZ was reported to me. Like, I don't know what that means. And they'll mm-hmm. tell you like, hey, yep, we have to move forward with this as a report. So now it's not anonymous and you have to tell me what's up. Right. Um, but like if you're not sure, you can call and, and you know, give that information. So yeah. it's also like, I mean – I think there's also, without needing to be reported to them, like, again, adults who are working regularly with children can pick up on, like, when something is going on. Mm -hmm. So, like, Finney's character, this entire movie until the very end where he's suddenly super cocky and confident because he survived a traumatic event, whatever. Um, He is, like, very much, um, you know, he's being bullied. He – doesn't have a lot of close friends. He has one close friend that ends up getting kidnapped by the grabber. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's kind of like a loner. You'd think that the teachers would also like pick up on that, maybe check in on him. How yeah. might that also be connected to like picking up on, you know, things going on at home? I just feel like there's loads of missed opportunities for like adults to um, do a better job. But <laughs> yes. all the adults in this are pretty bad. So. Yeah you know. And so there's that. To that point, that just makes me think about disciplinary actions 
especially, you know, in that time period. And even I would say when we were growing up and the whole deal with spanking and and Mm -hmm. all that. So is there a strict line of, you know, this is calls cause for calling the uh, CPS or this is just a parent's disciplinary action and we (coughs) let them continue to do that. Yeah. I mean, I think there's also like definitely a cultural element to how parents discipline their children. And there are different cultures that discipline their children differently. And I, I don't think that there is that much consideration into that. It's more, I do feel like mandated reporting looks more black and white. Mm. However, um, I think it depends on the context of like, you know, how intense is the spanking? Is it like causing significant bodily harm and injury to the child? I mean, also you can look at like, there's research into how to discipline children and like physical punishment often based on research isn't necessarily going to lead to like the outcomes that you're hoping for Mm. in terms of why you might be punishing a child. Um, and I think we even talked about uh, like positive and negative reinforcement in a previous yes. episode. I forget what the movie was that we were talking about that with. I forgot too, but I remember us having that discussion. Yeah, positive and negative reinforcement. reinforcement. Well, anyway, yeah. um, <clears throat> that like you know punishment is is applying a negative <clears throat> a negative stimulus. Positive reinforcement <clears throat> is applying a positive stimulus. And, and then this is where I always – see, this is why, like, school was so long ago that I need <laughs> to remember uh, the differences. The, the uh, negative reinforcement, I think, is uh, uh, removing uh, – something removed to increase the likelihood of a behavior that you want to see. So, like, there's two ca- – like, think of it like a big chart. Mm-hmm. So there's, like, positive reinforcement – negative reinforcement, positive punishment, I guess is what this website is saying, and negative punishment. So like adding something to increase the likelihood of something, removing something to increase the likelihood of something, Mm -hmm. this is what you want to reinforce, adding something to decrease the likelihood of something, or removing something to decrease the likelihood of something. So that's the punishment side. Yeah. Um, I mean, reinforcement typically leads to more positive outcomes of both kinds versus all the types of punishment leading to worse off outcomes. But again, I, you know, I'm not a parent. I'm not here to tell people how to parent. There's so much that goes into it. And it's more of just like, you know, I think give people information and people will do with that what they will. Um, But, but if there's significant bodily harm, that is where the absolute line is drawn as far as yes. this is considered yeah. abuse. Yeah. And also like in this film, uh, their father isn't just spanking, but he's also like beating right. them with a belt, which I would while say drunk. Cro- while drunk. I mean, even if he's sober, beating them with the belt, I feel like that crosses a line. Like mm. I remember in my mandated reporter, in the first mandated reporter training that I had to take way back when I was a wee baby social worker, mm-hmm. there was like, it was like a PowerPoint presentation and they showed us some like pretty gruesome images. And, you know, when whenever there's like an added object that needs to be involved, that usually is mm. not leading to good outcomes for children. So like belts, 
wires, like cables. Switches. Yeah. Yes. All of the <laughs> trauma. This sound that somehow get into 50 shades again. I'm, I, I was talking about myself. My parents would say, go get a branch from outside. I went to 50 you know shades. <laughs> oh no, my brain, my brain is so broken from that stupid movie. <laughs> Okay, we are talking about children, not adults. Oh, not Compartmentalized. Oh, gosh. (laughs) Woo! Oh, boy. Uh, Yes. Beautiful. Beautiful gowns. Mm -hmm. So Mm. my last question in in, in brains, and I think maybe Brian might have had something, but my last question is the, in your opinion, the time frame between the trauma that happened, and I think you were going to speak on this a little bit too when you're talking about likes and gripes. So the the kidnapping happened with Finn and he is he escapes and you know the next scene that we see is him basically in school and going about life like everything is normal is there a time frame that you would suggest that he needed to process things before he was inducted back into uh society especially at that age. <laughs> I mean, <clears throat> it's hard to put like a specific time frame or number on it. Mm. Um, yeah, because like we have no idea how quickly it's like, oh, you just survived next day, back to school, you have a test. Um, and then, and or I will like, say it didn't mean like it was like close because he's back with the same lab partner that he had when he dissected the frog. So it has Mm -hmm. to be the same school year. He's like, Hey, what's up? I'm Finn. And I was like, Ugh, I hate this. This this movie ended so stupid. Yeah. Like being, being, being kidnapped and the trauma like made him more confident. That's what I got from this. Like even just the way that he like, he handled the grabber, like the message of this movie. That's actually a good gripe. The message of this movie was like, being kidnapped will make you more confident. Like, yeah, get get grabbed, kids. <laughs> <laughs> Don't quote me on this. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I mean, like, there probably needs to be some time, hopefully, with a therapist. Um, yeah, but but also in other ways, it makes me think like, how does like reconnecting with your, like with your peers, how does Mm -hmm. that potentially help? Um, and like, you know, trying to return to some sense of normalcy after something that was like very, you know, intense and traumatic, like how might that, how might that help in terms of like readjusting back to, back to life? But like, I don't know. He's cool now. I I don't understand the whole thing. Yeah. It's just that that part's stupid. But like the actual the part about <laughs> you know like adjusting <laughs> adjusting yes. back to um you know like back to back to normal. I don't know. I hate using the word normal in a in a therapeutic context. Right. But like yeah, I get yeah. that. Yeah. So like there's there's some part that's that I'm wondering like could it be beneficial that he's returning back and like with his peers and, and hopefully able to like socialize and, and again, please, please do the therapy. Um, and how might that like, how might that help? But yeah, it seemed, it definitely seemed, uh, pretty fast. Um, I mean, I don't know if that's more realistic or like the dad being like, 
I'll never do a bad thing ever again. Oh God, is don't, mm, even less it. realistic. I'm still, need, at the end of the movie, I was like, please get them away from that guy. Oh, I know, right? I, 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 I like. I hate when like these traumatic things magically make things better in movies. When like that is not yeah. the case. Um, yeah. It feels very. Di- this movie. Another thing. I feel like this movie ends Disney esque. It has a Disney esque ending mm. where like everything is better because like we defeated the villain. But like this- everything is better because we defeated the villain. Yeah, that's that was the was that was the Disney. closing number. Yeah, get grabbed. <laughs> get grabbed is the um, end of Act One. <laughs> yes. Oh my god. Oh my god. Um. Yeah. Black Phone the musical. Um. <laughs> but I. With with masks oh yeah directed mm-hmm. by julie Taymor. um work <laughs> joke aside i would see that um <laughs> but uh yeah it was very like it was very disney in that way where like this even though this movie like is not grounded in because like mm-hmm. she is a dream you know warrior and whatever no. like I was about to say a dream warrior. Yeah. <laughs> like th- this movie's not is is trying to be as grounded as possible and that this like happy ending doesn't feel real or grounded and mm. I don't know. Maybe no. there's something I'm missing where like the idea is that this is all a dream or like that like, you know, the not that it's a whole dream, but like I don't know. Maybe there's like some other symbolism here or whatever, but like that's not what this movie presents. And whether what, what if this movie intended something different in, in execution, it does not come across. No, but I didn't hate it. Yeah, I know we keep talking like kind of like middle of the road about it, and I didn't hate it, but I also didn't love it. Like I don't know. Yeah, that was all. I definitely wasn't fully. I think we're just like harsh that. critics. I don't know. Or- the expectations really brought it down. I think that's mm. what it is. I don't think we're being harsh. I think that this movie was hyped up a lot. And so... You're, I'm a harsh critic, hyped. okay? Okay, well, yes. <laughs> Jamie is a harsh critic. You are. If you take a look at all of her, like, um, four Ratings? S's, she is the she is easily the most brutal of the three of us. No question. <sighs> what can I say? I have very high expectations for horror and, you know... I mean, like, we were so excited about Orphan First Kill, you know? Like, I want to be excited about every horror movie in that way. Yeah, totally. Mm -hmm. Oh, man, Orphan First Kill. That was killer. (laughs) What a twist. Killer. All right, y'all ready to do some Rotten Tomatoes? Yes. Yes. How rotten are those tomatoes? It's the Rotten Tomatoes game. Now I have to be out of the game because freaking Peacock every time oh, you yeah, play, it does. play shows the thing. Lucky for so. you, my short-term memory is terrible, so I don't remember what it is. Great. Uh, yeah. So, uh, so, so um, Jamie, try and guess the uh, the the critic score as well as the mm-hmm. audience score. So we have oh both. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Um, critics, I'm going to go, I'm going to say 78 for critics and 92 for audience. Okay. Um, the critic score is 82 and the audience score is a little higher at 88. Okay. Like, close. 
Yeah, so critics' consensus on this is the black phone might have been even more frightening, but it remains an entertaining, well-acted adaptation of a scarily good source material. I don't okay. think that's I think I mean I don't know about the source material, but like I think that's accurate. Because right. mm-hmm. yeah. it even it even starts with the fact that like it could have been fr- more frightening or better, but like it's fine for what it is. Yeah, sure. Um, audience says. <laughs> With a terrific villain and a twisty story stacked with edge-of-your-seat thrills, the Black Phone is a must-watch for fans of suspenseful horror. I don't, I don't know what these people were watching. Yeah, <laughs> they weren't watching the same movie. The, the, <clears throat> the only thing I'll agree with is terrific villain because Ethan Hawke is that is good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll take um, that. Yeah, I will say that visual of him in the kitchen with the mask on and like no shirt and like the he was holding a bat, I think. Was like mm. very unsettling. Yeah, like that part really freaked me out. But also hunky. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, a little bit on the hot side. Grabber is not for me. Okay, grabber's not for you. Good, get grabbed. <laughs> get grabbed, kids. Get, get grabbed. grabbed. <laughs> <laughs> oh god, someone's gonna like call and I get know. My like, please, growth. please. But I haven't say where I'm licensed. <laughs> oh. Secrets. <laughs> All right. Let's do the four S's. Yes. <laughs> Skull, scare, shakes, and suggestions. The talking horns, four S's. <laughs> so the four S's are skulls, scares, shakes, and suggestions. Uh, we rank them one through ten and then give a suggestion. Uh, Jamie, let's start with you. How would you rank this skull, scares, and shakes? Um, one through ten. Sure. So once again, I am a harsh critic. Um, For Skulls, I gave this a three because I just, again, like I I wanted more answers to things. I was left unsatisfied, not really understanding like the why for a lot of things. Um, Mm -hmm. So it just like didn't it, it it didn't totally work for me. And there wasn't that much like human behavior stuff that I feel like was really resolved or like, to, like everything just worked out so perfectly that I was like, this doesn't feel real. Like the fact yeah. that, the fact that Finney, like, you know, yes, he was helped, but he was able to like make everything work very easily. I'm like, even if I had all those answers, I don't think I would have been able to get out of this situation mm-hmm. alive at all. So no. that felt less real. So I don't know how, how much people were really peopling in this. Um, in terms of scares, I'm going to give this a 4.5. Um, the jump scares didn't really get me. Brian jumping at the jump scares got me more than the jump scares. Mm. Um, and, <laughs> yes. and again, uh, there were some like unsettling moments, but I wasn't too um, freaked out by this movie. For shakes, I'm I'm gonna give it the three again. Like it, it's not really sticking with me too much. Um, so it'll probably fade away in my brain, like yeah. all the other things I forget. Cool, uh, Nikisha, what about you? Skulls, I'm also gonna give a three for the same reasons Jamie said. Uh, not really human health, uh, human health, while well, human behavior and mental health. <laughs> Human health. Scares, I'm going to give it a two only because of the jump scare of the kid that was upside down. That uh, got me. Put the flashlight that got me on. real good. That one really got yeah. me big time. And shakes, I'm also going to give a three because it's 
it's going to go away in my brain. I'm not going to, I'm not trying to suggest this to people right now. Cool. All right. I'm going to go with uh, skulls as a four. Um, I think that it's, it's trying to do some things. It's not really doing them. I think some of the scenes are good overall. I just think that like, here's the thing. I think what this movie is trying to be is a, like a 1979 fairy tale. I think it's trying to be like a late 70s, early 80s, like, you know, like suburban fairy tale with like messages and warnings in them. And then like there's this magical phone of all the kids that died trying to help them. That's what I think this movie is trying to do. I just don't think it executes it good enough in in, in all honesty. I think it's uh, – I, I like that concept, but I also don't like if we're going for a certain moral, that's a weird moral to go with. Like we need a little bit more information from it. So I, I get what it's trying to do, but I just don't think it, it executes it that well. Um, mm-hmm. it, but it's a beautiful movie um, in general. Scares, I'm giving it a four. Some of those kids really got me. Um, mm. And this is a movie that I love the concept. I think the concept is fascinating. It just missed a lot of. It has a, there's a lot of missing opportunity for me, um, and that's why I'm just giving it a four. I was going to go with a five, but after this conversation, I realized like I almost forgot what we were talking about tonight uh, and when we were recording. Yeah. So this is a four mm. from me. Um, but let's go with suggestions, Jamie. You said you had two. <laughs> I do. I regret what I said in the beginning. Um, if you don't like, if, if you don't like any of the trigger warnings for this movie, you're going to hate my suggestions. Yeah. Um, the first one. Okay. So I'll go on brand with horror. Um, if you want another movie directed by this director that I think has a very similar tone, but is way spookier and fucked me up is sinister. That movie yeah. is just terrifying. Like truly, truly terrified me. Very unsettling. Um, I, I, I think that's a great movie. It's not, it's not like this movie, but I feel like the tone of like the, the horror tone is this, but like much spookier. Mm-hmm. Um, the other recommendation, uh, is not horror at all. Um, but rather, if there are ghosts that if, if people have been murdered and are in the afterlife and they are trying to help the people who are alive solve said murder. Oh uh, God. It's yeah. the lovely bones. Uh, <laughs> okay. I thought you were going to say ghost. <laughs> no. Oh my God. That would have been funny. Um, no, I went with the lovely bones, which is like so much worse. Um, I was obsessed with that book for whatever reason, because the, the story is like off, not awful in like, not good, but like just very intense themes for a book that I was obsessed with in like (laughs) middle school. I don't know. There's a lot wrong with me. Um, but yeah, if you're looking for a very strange two pack, um, that's, that's what I got. Love it. Love it. Nikisha? I just have one suggestion. If you want movies with someone trying to get out of something and they're seeing voices that are telling them how to get out of the things, Gerald's Game. Oh, that's a good one. That's going to be a whole lot more gore and scares than this one. Yeah, that's a good one. Mm -hmm. Um, Directed by our boy. I I have two. 
Um, one is uh, Escape Room. Uh, yes. That was a fun movie. This is Escape Room-esque. It's not the same type, but uh, <laughs> I'm doing that. And then uh, I'm going with another phone call, but it's actually an episode. My favorite episode of The Twilight Zone, Night Caller, um, is about mm. you know uh, spooky phone calls. Um, I'll just leave it at that. So that's Nightcrawler, the episode of the original Twilight Zone run, and then uh, Escape Room, which is just a delight of a horror movie. <laughs> Fantastical. Well, that reaches the end of our episode. And guys, Brian kept his mask on the whole time. Yeah, people are gonna think Much people are gonna think that the range. video broke, bec- and just so I could take the mask off. But it's not. <laughs> that's not true. It's not true. Uh-uh. He, he has it on there. <laughs> so uh-huh, please, uh-huh. as producer Brian stated earlier, follow us on all social medias, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, at TalkHorrorPod, and follow us on YouTube so you can see uh, Brian's mask for half of the episode. <laughs> I was just uh, looking for my mask. <laughs> that's it. The other, the other half of it. And where can they listen to us, Brian? Sure. Wherever you get podcasts, so Stitcher, Google, Spotify, and of course, Apple Podcasts. Rate and review us there. Five stars, please. And thank you. you. Brian, give us that awesome quote. Yeah, of course. Oh, my face face ID doesn't work on my phone. Uh, (laughs) I thought you were saying a line. What, yeah, what I thought you were just like, my face, my face. No, it, the face ID doesn't, yeah, my, my face ID doesn't work on my phone. 1979 film. <laughs> uh, you fat fucking fart knockers. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, guys. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Bye.